Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and today we are thrilled to be joined by Ann Carden. Ann has more than 41 years of business, marketing, and sales experience with over 30 years as an entrepreneur. She's built seven successful businesses. Yes, you've heard that right, seven, selling five, and is the current owner of two. Her first business started out a financial hardship after leaving her corporate career in, and income to stay home and raise her kids. The first business went global before the internet and that technology we have today and was sold years later when she began her next small business. Anne has been coaching consulting for the past 11 years and has worked with several hundred small business owners, consultants, coaches, and professional entrepreneurs in over 50 different types of businesses to further their success. Anne, welcome. We are really excited to talk with you today. Thank you, Mike. It is an honor to be here. And I hear one update in my profile or in my bio. It's been almost 13 years since I've been coaching. Okay. Noted. I have to fix that. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course, of it's, course. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that is a very impressive bio. And seven businesses is a lot. And still running two is still more than, than most people will do in their professional uh, lifetime. Uh, let's go back to that first business. What was it and what was it like leaving corporate and, and kind of facing facing that, uh, that kind of uphill battle? Mm. Well, I left corporate because I had young kids and I was in retail business management and the hours were horrendous. Uh, Didn't want to raise my kids in daycare or with a babysitter. And so made the decision to leave that and be a stay-at-home mom. But we really struggled financially. We were dependent on my husband's income. We were living in an area where there wasn't much opportunity. And I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I really felt I was being called to that. So I started looking for ways to make money and I started a doll, a craft doll business, um, again, out of financial hardship and started selling those, doing my own designs. And, and that business, it it makes it sound like it was overnight. It was not overnight, but it did really blow up. And I was basically running a manufacturing company out of my home. I was shipping all over the world. I was employing other moms and, did that business for seven years. Um, also did also sold a lot of my designs to uh, pattern companies, and so they were they were selling my dolls. And it, w- it was really interesting. My husband just told me yesterday he had gone to some sort of a show over the weekend, and he said I could swear I saw some of your dolls um, that somebody had on a table. And I said, Are you kidding me? Because I've been out of that business for. 20 plus years, I said, well, I'm sure my patterns are probably still out there. So yeah, very interesting. And the hallmark of good work if they have persisted for that amount of time. So well done. And <laughs> well, I, I had just... no idea about that. <laughs> well, I, I have to ask, you mentioned retail as the background. Did you have any or what experience did you have in dolls creating, designing, manufacturing? <laughs> if any, did what would that look like? None at all. In fact, when I first started, I had called the little craft store uh, in, in our local market in town. And I said, can I make some things? I, dolls were not on my radar. And I said, can I make some little craft things and try to sell them in your shop? And she said, sure. And so I made up a few things and took them in there. But after two weeks, they didn't sell. So I said, what is selling? And she said, these rabbit dolls. 
And I thought, a rabbit doll? I have no idea how to make a rabbit doll. So I went and I looked at all kinds of patterns and just got all types of ideas and borrowed my mom's sewing machine and went home and created my own. Of course, I didn't want to copy someone else. So I just took, you know, different things that I liked from different designs and the craft industry at that time. And again, this was, oh gosh, over 30 years ago, it was exploding across the country. So it was a prime time to get into it, but no, it was, I mean, I was always creative, but nothing like that um, had I ever done. So I, so I, I created my own rabbit doll. And then from there, it just it went into multiple other types and um, I, I mean, it was, it was crazy how much that business grew and they even, my dolls even ended up on the cover of an international magazine. Uh, they wow. were selected. So you couldn't buy the cover. They were, they had to be selected from thousands and thousands of other crafters. So that was, that was quite an honor. And, um, I'll never forget the day I had someone call me from Iceland and wanted me to, and we used, you know, the telephone they had to call. And, um, that was just such a, a cool thing. And, and from there, and I was all over the country and different stores and yeah. So that's a, that's a fantastic <laughs> story and a very exciting beginning, especially knowing this is the first of seven businesses. So yes. <laughs> nicely done. Um, you, you mentioned now 13 years uh, of coaching others and mm -hmm. we'll get to the in-between, uh, but in working with businesses today from where you started, what parallels do you draw from those leaving corporate to starting their own thing or those that might even be dragging their feet? How are you helping them kind of take that first step and how are you using your past successes uh, in those uh, in those conversations? Yes. Yeah, so when I, you know, I sold the, I sold five previous businesses. And when I came into the coaching and consulting space, it was completely different. And at first I was doing things locally. So I was running around into people's businesses and, but, but then I came online and that was a whole different thing. And so after investing just literally a fortune, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars into really understanding how to build my coaching and consulting business in a way that it could get me to the goals that I had. Um, I, I realized there were a lot of gaps in the market and there were a lot of strategies that didn't serve people in the way that I felt they could be served. So what I love to do is help people not go down the path of you need a certification or you need to invest in some kind of a, a coaching organization or something. Take what you're already really good at take your expertise, your experience, your knowledge, and your skills, and build your business around that. And then all you have to do is learn how, how to build the business, how to market, how to sell, all the other things that go on with business. But if you have to learn how to do your thing too, and you're not that confident, and you've never done it, that can take years to even get off the ground. Um, the other thing I see is a lot of experts, a lot of people that have all this, I call it career collateral. They come from corporate, from a background, and they have this amazing experience, but they fall into, I think I'll sell a membership for $97, or I'll sell a little bitty program for $3,500 or $5,000. And what I have found is they are grossly undervaluing their expertise, and they are selling themselves so short. They're such a need in the market for true experts and they're putting themselves in the bucket to me with people that are not experienced don't really know what they're doing and it's just it's not it's because they don't know they don't know any different they don't, haven't had the exposure to what they could be 
potentially doing. So um, I think about one of my clients was coming from corporate. She was getting ready to retire and she wanted to be a consultant. And we put together a $200,000 starting offer for her because of what she did and who she was going to target. That made sense. If she would have tried to do something low tickets, put people in a Facebook group or sell something for $3,500 or $5,000 or even $10,000, she would have been not only just leaving a fortune on the table, her market would have missed out on really being able to utilize her expertise in the way that she could provide. And so it's not serving the market and it's also not serving the coach or the consultant. So I kind of pushed back with all of that. And that's why I wrote my book. Well, I had an idea that I was going to need to scrap any pre-planned questions or any ideas I had for the interview because you were going to take me to uh, places where I'd have plenty of follow-up questions and plenty of interesting stories to share. And we are already there. Um, so the first, I'll just say, I, I love how you start with not uh, going after certifications because I joke that you know we all do what we do in our in our day job, but we really should just be in that business where we sell uh, courses for uh, people interested in getting letters behind their names with their little uh, diplomas to hang up in their cubicles, because that's where the, it's, it's unbelievable, that industry. But uh, joke aside, uh, you mentioned true experts and being able to uh, have product services to the market that are properly evaluated or that uh, compensate them for what they are uh, providing. Yes. So both sides of that uh, kind of equation, the true experts, because there are some out there that don't rise to the level, we'll say, and then the valuation of the pricing piece. How how can those first time or even, even second, third time providing a service, providing a product to the market, how can they determine what that proper value is or what the proper pricing structure should be? Yeah, I mean, in most cases, they're going to need to get some help because it's very difficult to do this on your own. That's just the truth truth of it. Also, there's the mindset piece, because if you don't, first of all, there's moving parts. You can't just say this is going to be the price. There are certain ways that you have to market it, certain ways you have to package that offer, certain ways that you have to sell it, and you have to understand your market. There's a lot of miss, there's a lot of moving parts to this. It's not as easy as, oh, I think I want to charge $100,000 or $200,000. Let me see if someone will pay me that. It doesn't work that way. There's positioning in the marketplace. People have to be able to see that you're truly an expert and that they have to have the outside perception. So when they look at you and your brand and what you're selling, it all has to make sense. The pricing has to make sense for the buyer. So the value has to be there. The perceived value has to be there. So when they, I, I like to use the example of a Lamborghini versus a cheap used car. <laughs> if your brand looks and your brand and, and even your message uh, and and how you're how you package your offers. If that looks like the cheap used car, you cannot get Lamborghini prices. You just can't. And so those are the fundamental pieces that have to be in place first. But then you also have to understand what would the market pay for this, and you have to go after a certain type of market to match your pricing. Uh, you cannot sell a $200,000 offer to a startup company that has no funding, right? It just, it's not going to happen. And so you have to also really understand who are those premium buyers? How can I establish the high perceived value in my offer? 
uh, to be able to make my offers a no-brainer. And that is just all part of putting the pieces together. Mike, most people don't really know how to do it. I didn't even really know how to do it. It, it took me a lot of investing and a lot of uh, people working with a lot of different people to try to figure this out and and try to really understand it. Well, now I helped, you know, hundreds of people do this in their business, but it's not easy. It isn't because you, here's the thing, people don't understand the value they can bring to their mark to the market. They do not understand their own value. And when I'm talking about their own value, I'm talking about experience, knowledge, skills. They don't even understand what that is to someone else because we're so close to it and we're so used to it for, you know, take someone coming from technology, for example, it's easy peasy to them. They, they think everyone should know how to do what they do and they don't even look at it as a skill set that's highly, highly valuable to the market. And even if they did understand, well, not everybody can do this, they still wouldn't know in most cases, how to package that and present that so that people would really want to be able to purchase that and, and get their help. And I hope that answers your question, but it, it is not part of the problem with the industry is there's too much one size fits all put people in a box, too much cookie cutter. And one of my things is get paid what you deserve. And when I say what you deserve, that is based on the value you're bringing to the market. It's not it's not what I hear all the time. It makes me a bit crazy. Get paid what you're worth. Get paid what you're worth. You're not, you're worth way more than anybody could pay you, right? So to me, that's the wrong language. Get paid what your services are worth. Get paid what the value of your expertise is worth. So I like to change that language a bit. That's a great way to reframe it. And that's a wonderful answer as a whole. So thank you very much for, for walking us through that. Um, one of the kind of related topics that we had uh, briefly talked about when we first connected that I think kind of goes hand in hand here. And you mentioned in some of uh, some of your notes as, as we were preparing, uh, never sell again and skyrocket sales. So when you mentioned the Lamborghini and the used car, from I've had this conversation with a lot of people in this space, and it's generally not the services or the product that, and we've hit on it today, that is lacking. It is the packaging or the, you know, they've got a great product. It's just, it's, wrapped up in a used car and it's tough to get to that Lamborghini. So it's the sales and marketing that needs help. So how can people quote unquote never sell again and you know help them make more sales? What what do you what do you mean when you say that? Yeah. So the more that you have built no like and trust with the industry that you're targeting with your market, uh, the more established you are online. I mean, I do an exercise with people where they can Google themselves. So I have them pull up an incognito window. I don't know if you know what that what that means or if people know what that means. But basically, if you pull up a Google um, a browser and there's three little dots at the top and you can click on those and it pulls up an incognito need a window. And the reason to, to search yourself that way is because your computer won't recognize you because we all look at different things within ourselves, right? We go to our website, we do all this stuff. Well, when you pull up an incognito window and you search your own name, you will then see how you show up to the market. When someone looks you know, at you and what you do. And so if this is not, if you're not positioned really to look like the expert that you are, if your messaging is not congruent, if your brand doesn't look like the Lamborghini, all of those 
things are pieces of being able to establish the know, like, and trust. And when, when people can easily see that you have experience, that you have results, client results, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that go into positioning yourself well. But when you do that, it influences buyers. And when you have all the right pieces in place, you're influencing buyers. Mike, when people get on sales calls with me, it is not for me to sell them. It is for them to buy. They want to buy. They, I don't have to do hard sales with them. I don't have to try to convince them. They've already checked me out. They've already looked at everything. And if I didn't have all of those things out there, and this is what I teach my clients, excuse me, they, then you have to go into somewhat selling mode, right? Because they don't really know you. And how do they really know if they can trust you? But when you have things positioned well, that's the beauty of online marketing is we can now do that before you had to find other ways to really establish that expertise and that authority. But when you can, when, when people can see that you truly are great at what you do and you're the expert, they then will book on your calendar to buy. And then you really just don't have to sell them at all. You just talk about what their needs are. Can you help them? Show them how you can help them, you know, how what you will take them through to help them. And that's it. And and from there, they they will ask to buy. So to me, that is the best sales conversation ever. I don't want to have to convince people. I don't believe coaching and consulting works that way anyway. Um, when you have to drag people on the bus, those are the usually the worst clients. So uh, for me, that is not something that I desire to do. And I teach my, my clients uh, how to not have to do that as well. That is such a fascinating answer and a fantastic one from the start. First start where your potential client journey begins. Look up what they're seeing because they are going, as you're right, before they get to speak to you, they are looking everywhere, every uh, everything that you've posted, they want to see. Where is it? How you're positioning yourself? Would we work well together? What? How would you answer this question based on on what I'm what I'm watching? Do I like? Do I trust you? Is this is this something that I could see working for me? So that's a great way to again reframe the sales conversation. Then I'm not selling you on you've already bought quote unquote what I have to say. Let's just see if this is a good fit or a good match now for what you're looking for. That's why we're here. Uh, so that that's really helpful. And then. Um, the way that you talk about positioning is that are you in the right places and are you presenting what it is that they need? And if so, it'll move forward. So that that's a fantastic answer. Um, I'm going to try to go backwards a step and I will probably fumble on my question here. Um, but you've obviously helmed many businesses. You talked about working locally, working prior to the internet. Uh, now that you're online and that's where most of your client uh, engagement client interaction is taking place. What differences do you see kind of technology playing from being more face-to-face at a time to now maybe never even meeting or being in the same room as your clients? I'm sure there are uh, differences, obviously, you know, the technology helps, but what, what, what skills or what things have you seen throughout? And then what is this different now that being, being together is no longer a must? Well, when I when I worked in my coaching and consulting business locally, um, I you know I quickly realized I didn't want to run around into people's businesses because at that time I was working with small businesses, and when I came into the online space, 
and decided that I wanted to have the mobility and I wanted to have the freedom to be able to work from anywhere and do all of those things. Even when I was still working locally, I wouldn't take on clients unless they were willing to work with me virtually. So I that was a boundary that I set in my business. And I, I really believe that we have the opportunity to build our business the way we want and to design it um, the way we want. And so, excuse me, I think COVID actually helped that a lot for people because we realized we don't have to be in person. We don't have to be sitting in front of someone at a table, drinking coffee with them. A lot of people still don't, you know, they don't like virtual, but to me, I don't see any difference except for the fact that I can't hug you, Mike. <laughs> I can't, you can't hug the people, right? But outside of that, I just don't see a difference. So I personally feel like people are missing out if they're not doing both. Um, I teach a hybrid model. So one of the things I help people really elevate their brand and I do, we do what are called next level marketing strategies. And that's where you're the person at the front of the room. So instead of going, not that networking doesn't work and all that kind of thing, but if you're going to network, do it at a very high level and also be the person at the front of the room. So speak, get on stages. Then you can merge those two worlds, the online and the offline. And quite honestly, that is what I believe to be the most powerful model ever when it comes to your marketing is pull the offline world into the online world and pull the online world into the offline world and let those two, uh, those two things come together. And so when you do that, I feel like, um, or I know that, we we have the opportunity to make a bigger impact, to make much more money as a coach or consultant, serve people all over the world if you choose to do that. And, you know, the statistics show that coaches and consultants that work on a global level or where I, let me say nationally, uh, coaches and consultants that work nationally make 200 to 500 percent more annually than local coaches. So that right there says a lot about, uh, you know, how to utilize these tools and and how to really uh, do that online. Did did that answer your question? I'm not sure if it did, but. Well, seeing how, po as, how poorly worded the question was, that is a great answer. So yes, thank you for that. And um, yeah, the, the, the points that, that, I, that I, I take from that are that if you can establish a coaching practice, consulting practice that uh, is set up in a way to rely on virtual, you can not only two to five X what you are uh, bringing in as far as revenue, but you also can you know reach a much broader audience and you don't have to rely on being the same place that there are uh, more important things uh, is part of that engagement. You can have the you know, 99% of, of what was being done in the same room can be uh, done virtually. And um, the, the second piece of that, that I, that I think you mentioned is that, um, uh, goes back to what we talked about upfront is knowing what your value is, knowing which clients, uh, can use your expertise and how you can leverage a non one size fits all, but a tailored solution for them based on your experience and based on, on the relationship that can be, uh, developed between the two of you. So I think that's, that's a wonderful answer. Yes, you did a, <laughs> a great job given, given the rambling question. Well, and I, I started to say too, I think COVID helped that a lot because now people are used to being virtual. When I first did it, it was a little trickier to get business owners to want to coach with me virtually. But 
you know, now I think we that's really been opened up. And even from a corporate standpoint, a lot of corporate training now and corporate coaching is done online. So I think it's been a, a good thing from that standpoint. I think the other thing is my people are busy and we waste so much time traveling back and forth to coffee meetings and to, I used to network all the time. That's how I built a lot of my businesses. When I look at all the time that I spent running back and forth and meeting with people and going to networking events, I would go to, an, I was part of a networking group and it would be a half a day because I was an hour away, but it was the closest one to me. And so when you look at all of that, look how much more productive we can be by leveraging our time. We don't need to burn it up. And that doesn't mean you don't ever get in front of people or you don't ever do anything locally or uh, in person. You know, I have events that I run in person where I get my clients together, luxury retreats. And so I still do those things, but we don't need to do that all the time. And I think I'm actually very glad to see it change because people spend way too much time in their businesses anyway, in my opinion. So, and that's, and that's the excellent point. (laughs) And that's, as you say, that leveraging your time, understanding where it can be most valuable, where it should be spent. And you you referenced being online and offline and making sure those two things work cohesively and build off each other where it's not exclusively one and they are working hand in hand. Um, Kind of with that, uh, LinkedIn is a very valuable tool, sometimes misutilized, uh, I think I saw in my notes. LinkedIn is a gold mine. Well, how do you? Oh, it is. <laughs> so, so why, why do you, why do you characterize it that way? If you could, and how should it be used properly? Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's a loaded question. How to use it properly? <laughs> I will just say this. So, it it starts really with a strategy. People, most people get on LinkedIn and they don't have any kind of a strategy. They don't know how to position themselves on LinkedIn. They don't know how to. Uh, really attract buyers and and influence buyers like we talked about earlier. They don't know how to approach buyers. And I made a lot of spammy mistakes when I first got on LinkedIn. I don't even, I just, I just say, yes, I was guilty of that. Uh, Hiring marketers to, you know, spam the heck out of your network. And, and I have just found better ways and, and now it, but it really does take a strategy. And a lot of people don't have a strategy. They just get on there and they're just kind of trying different things. And they think that if they post all this content, they'll get all these people. And it just doesn't work like that. It just requires, there are a lot more steps to it. I actually have a process that I take my clients through and um, it's, it's not, you know, just get on there and and they will come. It just doesn't work like that. There's a lot of moving parts. It's like any marketing strategy. It's never just one thing, right? It's a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of details and a lot of things in the weeds that most people don't see. And there are even things that I don't train on until I'm working with a client because it wouldn't interest people. (laughs) It would, you know, it's like when you get too detailed, uh, you lose people. So you, you, I can only do really high level steps when I'm training on it or talking about it on LinkedIn or, or whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of little nuances and details that go into it. And that's, that's an excellent point. And I think we all would be guilty to some, at some point of being spammy or embarrassed of our prior initiatives or how we leverage any kind of social media. So nothing to be, uh, nothing to be too upset or uh, embarrassed with there. Um, but I think that the point that you make is, uh, is an important one that, Having a strategy, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's a lot of these initiatives is 
a prerequisite for success. And unfortunately one that gets overlooked because uh, it's, it's not a, a fun part and it's not necessarily something that uh, if it's not part of your business, you may just, I, I do this well, let me just keep doing it. And it's like, well, now you've done four or five things and they don't really work well together. So right. it just goes back to making sure they can build off each other. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a great starting point with whether it's LinkedIn or, or any of the things that we've discussed. Mm. Um, somehow we are coming up on time already. I, I feel like I could have fire questions at you all day. And, um, <laughs> but we, we referenced you've sold five businesses. So I think most small business owners, entrepreneurs, they get into it because they are like the model where they worked in corporate, they have a skill, they have an expertise, and maybe they've created another job for themselves. But what you've been able to do is have a successful business that somebody else valued and, and purchased from you. What is something, if somebody is in that, you know, they're leaving their corporate role today, or they, they've done so in the last year or so, how can they consciously build a business that they can have something valuable at, at the end or down the line where somebody else may buy it as opposed to just a, a job for one? That's such a great question. And I think here's the, here's, this is probably going to be an answer that you aren't expecting, but in the coaching and consulting space, when you do things right, it can be probably one of the most lucrative businesses you can build. So you've got kind of two options. You can build assets that you can sell or can kind of go on the legacy that that's one way. Um, even my books, you know, that I have uh, written through the years that those books can go on for a long time. Uh, if I created a course or a program, or I built a company, if I built a firm, I could sell the company, I could sell the firm. So that's one way that you could do that. But the other way that you can uh, shift this a bit is take the money that you make and invest it, uh, invest it into other businesses, invest it into other things. So there's not a right or wrong answer here. You can either use the money that you're making and and put it towards something else that can can go on or be sold, or you can build your business to sell. So that this would really come down to the the wants of the person. Uh, quite honestly, I don't really have any goals to sell my my business um, because I've sold several others. So I am just growing, you know, doing my business the way that I love to do it. And then I use the money and invest in other places. So that's the way I choose to do it. So there's no right or wrong here, but there's always more opportunity. And I think that's really what we're talking about here is there's always a bigger opportunity than what most people uh, take advantage of. Most people get into this business and they only want to make an income and have fun with that. That's just a job, right? But you have so much more opportunity. So to not tap that in some way, to to maybe not grow as big as you can, or even I hear a lot of people say, why do I have any desire to make a million dollars? Okay, why? I mean, why? Even if you you put it away for your future, you put it away, you gave it away. Why, why would you not want to do the very best you could in your business? You're, you're, you know, you're building a business. You have an opportunity to build wealth. So I, I think people are selling themselves short if they're only using it as an income. So they have some freedom. It's just my personal opinion. I think that's a, no surprise, but another, another really well thought out and a smart answer that if you are in a lucrative business, that it does not mean that it needs to be one that has a natural endpoint or one that needs to be sold. If, if they uh, 
proceeds can be reinvested in a in another tool or within the business or in another way. So I think the main takeaway from our conversation today, there is no one size fits all in most oh. cases and same with running a business like this. Um, and we have had uh, a pretty in-depth conversation in some areas, but is there anything today that I haven't asked you that I probably should have during our time together? Um, no, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of different things. So nothing that I can can really think of off off the top of my head, no. Okay, so we will post all of uh, our links to get to you. But if our listeners want to connect with you or find out more, where should they go? Yes, if you want to book a call with me, you can go to acarden.com. If anything that I said resonated with you and you want some help in your business, or maybe you're looking to start a coaching or consulting business from your expertise. Also, I do always have a workshop going on and you can go to expertinyouworkshop.com and you can see what my latest workshop is that I'm running at that time and you can apply to attend. I always have an application process because I want to make sure the people that attend are in the right place in their business to implement because we actually do the work in there. Um, But that is always a free virtual workshop that people can attend and get more to see what it's like to work with me and and get more help and, and see if it's a fit to maybe move forward. So, yeah. Awesome. So we will post all of that. And thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast and I look forward to doing it again. Thanks for having me. Bye everyone.